0: You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast.
1: I've got another special guest on the show today. Brian Volkweiss is the founder and CEO of the Nacelle Company and director of the upcoming documentary series, The Center Seat 55 Years of Star Trek on the History Channel. We're talking about that show, as well as his personal history as a documentarian and mega Star Trek fan. I'm Allison Pitt, and this show is supported by people like you through Patreon. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news. Now let's hear from Brian Volkweiss. Uh, so, right, Brian Volkweiss uh, from the center seat, 55 years of Star Trek. Thank you very much for joining me on Daily Star Trek News. I appreciate you uh, being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, right, so I said you're from uh, the center seat, uh, which is premiering this week on uh, the History Channel. Uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about the show uh, and why now is the right time to make a Star Trek-based docu series for the History Channel?
0: Well, I mean, if if I go uh, if I go in reverse order, uh, now is the right time because it seems our society loves every five years to celebrate things. So it being the 55th anniversary does seem like a good time to celebrate something about Star Trek. And as a, you know, since I was probably eight or nine years old, huge, huge fan of Star Trek it, you know, why not? And we had done the 50th anniversary but that was only one episode. You know, we, we did we had about an hour and a half to cover 50 years. So we had made this other show uh, on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. And that allowed us a bunch of opportunities to kind of do shows in that style. So it just got to the point where it was like, oh, there's an anniversary coming up. And at the same time, I'm also a huge Ken Burns fan. And I was always like, what would a Ken Burns deep dive into Star Trek? What would that be like? And that was the inspiration. All those things came together at the same time. And we make TV shows. So we were like, let's make a TV show.
1: Yeah. And you didn't want to wait for another five years.
0: That's right. For the next
1: one. (laughs) Okay, so I've actually seen, I've seen the first episode and it sort of focuses on how Lucille Ball got Star Trek rolling and some of the uh, behind the scenes work that the studios um, had to do to keep it on the air. Um, so each of the, the episodes of the series is kind of a, like a chapter in the story, right? So what are some of the chapters that are coming forward that, are, that we'll get to see uh, as we go through the series?
0: so we have an episode that's only about the animated series we have an episode that's only about phase two which would become star trek one then we have an episode basically about star trek two and three four five and six and we have a whole an episode of course about next generation voyager deep space nine And then we have a really, I think, kind of cool episode that I don't think has been done before. As you can see behind me, I am uh, a big fan of uh, especially Federation uh, starship design. Uh, So we have a whole episode only about starships. It's literally, we call it Starships A through Z. And it's literally the deepest dive, I think, ever uh, into starship design and primarily Federation.
1: Wow, that one's that's really interesting to me actually, because you know, in my travels around the fandom, yeah, people love their starships. We've got like the big Eagle Moss uh collections oh. that go out.
0: Um, you can I, get your
1: ships 3D printed now. It's uh, one, it's
0: pretty crazy. One of my favorite moments with my wife ever was um I had gotten some really good news at work and I texted her. Um, guess what? And she wrote back did Eagle Moss go bankrupt? So that, uh, that is uh, that is, I, I got an Eagle Moss problem. Like I really yeah. did. Like I, 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 I that, that is that, I mean, I have conservatively 200 right here.
1: I could get you in touch with some people that uh, you guys could form a club.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a bad club to be in. Yeah. Or do the they, best. Oh my God. Do they make the best product? They absolutely do. This is not this is not an Eagle Moss uh, advertisement, but oh, I got to yeah. say, they, I'm, get, a, I'm a get fan Get us back too, on so. track, because I'll, I'll Eagle Moss
1: <laughs> for <10 hours>. uh, <laughs> Right, okay. So um, in addition to it just being a documentary about Star Trek, you actually have a lot of uh, Star Trek stars and producers and all sorts of personalities in there. Uh, the show is narrated by Gates McFadden, which is wonderful. Um, and you've actually got interviews um, and uh, footage from from some stars and producers who are no longer with us. Uh, Why why was it important to include those people's voices uh, in the show as well?
0: Well, I think, you know, what we tried to do was create the deepest dive ever into Star Trek and really explore what it was and why it became what it's, in my opinion, admittedly biased, what it's become. Mm So. I mean, you need people from who were there at the beginning and the people who were there at the end. Basically, what we tried to do was we really kind of show Gene Roddenberry and Lucille Ball turning the lights on in the 60s. And it literally ends with Rick Berman turning the lights off at the end of Enterprise. And the, way, the best way to do that is to get the voices of the people who were there.
1: So you mentioned that sort of the end of the series is uh, ending with Rick Berman. So does it include at all any any looks at the current series or what we're doing going forward with Star Trek?
0: Um, At the moment, no. So what what you will see in November stops with Enterprise. But we are uh, the, the series is continuing. So we will get to the Next Generation movies, the J.J. movies for sure. And who knows, maybe a little more after that.
1: Yeah, goodness knows there's enough material to cover.
0: There, there sure is. There <laughs> yeah. really is. And <laughs> one of the things that I love to do is to d- dive into topics that haven't really been had a like a, a magnifying glass put on them. And like, I, I really like uh, the the Next Generation movies quite a bit. Um, I, one of them uh, definitely pretty bad. But we could talk uh, afterwards about which one that is. Okay, <laughs> I'm yeah, curious exactly. to see if my if my one is the same as yours. But, but nobody focuses on them. So I mean, one of the cool things we did, you know, we spent a lot of time on Star Trek five and six. You know, there have been a lot of documentaries about RATHICON. There have been a lot of books about those movies. But like, I love Star Trek six. I know Star Trek 5 is bad, don't get me wrong, but I still love Star Trek 5. So we got to put time into those movies that don't get the attention that some of the other films do.
1: Yeah. And uh, I can see you can st- even from the first episode, you can see that that flavor of those deep dives because um, so we were talking about uh, Lucille Ball and you really go into all of the the all of the influences that kind of got us to where we were with Lucille Ball, basically getting Star Trek going. Um, so it's a it's a really it, if people are wanting to know the the ins and outs, those details, uh, it's a it's coming off to a great start. So. Um, I wanted to just pivot for a second and talk about uh, you and your personal history and how you came to sort of this docu-series. Now, um, I was reading about you, and and it said that you uh, actually started filmmaking when you were uh, pretty young in high school, or even before that.
0: So I'm <laughs> sorry to interrupt, but I would not call that filmmaking. I would call well, that, you uh, know, around with a camera,
1: we start uh, we start somewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. how, so how did you go from? I literally
0: made a movie once <laughs> called Justice Is afoot. That was literally about a giant foot smashing cities I had built out of styrofoam. So I I would not refer to that as, again, sorry to interrupt, but I (laughs) I could not claim filmmaking was going on in high school.
1: See, listen, the problem now is that you've admitted that um, in public and somewhere somebody's going to get a hold of that footage and put it out on YouTube now. It's it's Uh, inevitable. I feel
0: very bad for the whole world.
1: Uh, no, but talk to me about your, your journey from, you know, uh, a kid messing around with a camera to now you're making series for Netflix and, you know, you've got this whole series going on. You've got a, it's a big company producing, co- uh, comedy specials as well. Um, talk to me about your journey and how you got here and your company is called the Nacelle company. What's that about? <laughs>
0: Again, I'll go in reverse order. Um, it's called the Nacelle Company for two reasons, if I'm being honest. Uh, the first is you would not believe what's already been taken. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I even was considering Promontory <laughs> point entertainment uh, and that was taken. So that was the first thing I did. Uh, Nacelle was not my first choice, uh, but it's been a while since you could copyright the word Paramount or Universal, Uh, But I'm a huge Trekkie. Uh, I, I owe Star Trek quite a bit, I think, for my career and my life. So what I loved about the name Nacelle is to Trekkies, you'll recognize it. And I know this term is usually a bad term, but I like the premise. I believe there can be good dog whistles. And I like the idea that to a Trekkie or a geek or a nerd or whatever, Nacelle has value. But if you're not a geek or a Trekkie and you hear Nacelle, you're like, "Ooh, what a nice French word. I wonder what that means. <laughs> so it, it kind of works both ways. Um, and then, I, listen, I will give you the cliff notes or the cliff notes or the cliff notes. But basically, uh, I came out to L.A. when I was 22. I became a manager. I represented comedians. I started making comedy specials. I stopped being a manager. We started distributing those comedy specials. Uh, Every now and then, we would make a TV show. Uh, I finally sold a show that became The Toys That Made Us. Uh, And that show changed my life. It changed the company. It changed everything. And now uh, we make stand-up specials, podcasts, books, you name it. yeah whenever we toys we're making toys now so yeah fun stuff
1: i'm curious so um the recent series that i know about are really they're they're documentary style so is the documentary style specifically something that uh speaks to you personally or is it the format that just has worked the best so what is it then about Um, documentaries that kind of gets your gets your interest going
0: Since I was a little kid, I I, I believe that books and documentaries are like an instruction manual to life. Like we only get one life to live, but books and documentaries allow you so much data about how the world works. Like you could be reading about a a battle or politics in the 1500s. Yes, so many things have changed in over 500 years, but Our species hasn't. So what the books and the documentaries allow you to do is see how other people dealt with good news, bad news, challenges. And then it can help you make better decisions during your life because you learn from all of their experience. So, I mean, I was going to document, when I was in high school, like if you wanted to see a doc, this is, by the way, this is before Blockbuster. Like I'm old enough to be able to be like, I was going to see documentaries like before Blockbuster or before Blockbuster carried docs. So I always went to docs. I've always seen the value in the same way I've seen the value in nonfiction books. So, yes, I'm very passionate about docs, to put it mildly.
1: Yeah, I can tell, I can tell. Uh, And then of course, Nassal just recently, this this year or late last year has expanded now into podcasting, uh, including Gates McFadden's new podcast, Gates McFadden Investigates. We spoke to her um, a couple months ago. Um, So what about the podcast format kind of feeds into that? Are they kind of, are you approaching them like, you know, audio documentaries? Or is there something else that appeals about the podcast
0: space too? All uh, the the thing that appeals about the podcast space is it's storytelling. And I mean, we love storytelling. So it's another way to tell a story. And that's what our company does. Um, All the podcasts are different, but the common link is, I mean, they really are at least probably for the first three to five years, maybe forever. We're really going to just focus on nostalgia, comedy. And that's that's really going to be our lane. So if you're interested in pop culture, if you're interested in geekdom or whatever you want to call it, we we're <laughs> trying to be your home.
1: Yeah. Oh, great. So uh, if we if we come back around to Star Trek. Um, Earlier, you were saying that, you know, Star Trek obviously has influenced, you know, your life to, I mean, you've got a a tremendous collection of stuff. Um, and also, you know, the name of your company, which I was going to make a nacelle joke earlier, and then I forgot. So it's nacelle, not nacelle, right? That's that's right. <laughs> okay. Um, so something that we do on this show from time to time is that we ask people to tell us their Star Trek story. So, like, what brought them to Star Trek, and what keeps them in the fandom. And I'm curious, what's your Star Trek story?
0: I mean, it um, it really is. Um, it, it it really comes down to the whole premise of. This this idea that Kirk says very clearly in Rithicon, I don't believe in the no-win scenario. I mean that I was at an age when I saw the movie that it it really changed my life. It's literally in my will that that'll be written on my tombstone. Um, anybody who perceives my career as successful, uh, it is entirely dependent on that theory of I don't believe in the no-win scenario. Then, on top of that, I loved the world in which Kirk operated within. I love this idea that we were exploring, we were that we would get through all of our differences and, you know, unite. And it was just a very, very optimistic view of the future. But at the same time, it was very exciting because I think what often gets forgotten now, especially about my childhoods, Star Trek, which to me includes Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and I guess Voyager and maybe a little Enterprise, but like at the end of the day, except for maybe Deep Space Nine, but of course it still does apply in in a way, you have these human beings in a metal can so far from safety, so far from rescue, and they're doing really dangerous things. Like separated from death by, you know, a foot of transluminum or whatever the hell it's called. So, like, <laughs> that's what I always loved about the show. So, it was always exciting, but it was also like a good code to live by. Many of the rules from Star Trek, you know, as it applies to, again, not believing in the no win scenario, equity, you know, everybody's equal, everybody's the same, you know, it's, it really was ahead of its time. And sadly, it still is a bit.
1: And, and and so what's kept you kind of it sounds like it's just sort of woven into your fabric. Is that what's just kept you going? What's why? Why are you still into the fandom as opposed to, you know, oh, that was a great show back in the 90s?
0: Because it, it I mean, it just connected with to me in a way that I mean, nothing else has, including Star Wars. Like, I love Star Wars. I got a collection as big, if not bigger, of Star Wars toys than Star Trek toys. But to me, Star Wars was always a movie. Star Trek was more of a philosophy of a way to, to live my life. You know, I didn't grow up religious. I didn't go into the military. You know, it it was in its own way a code to follow. And then the other thing is they keep making great Star Trek. You know, it. You know, like lower decks. I'm as passionate now about lower decks as I was about, um, you know, next generation. You know, I can't wait for Eagle Moss to put out the models. I can't wait for hopefully NECA or whoever to put out the figures. Like, it's it's fantastic. So, you know, I love the first JJ movie. It it just it. When it works, it works. It doesn't always work. They definitely miss the target every now and then, but when it works, there really is nothing better.
1: Yeah. And it just really hasn't stopped in 55 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I mean, I was rewatching a lower decks last night.
1: Yeah. I love it. Uh, So For you personally, what are what are you most excited for people to see in the center seat? Obviously, we've got 10 episodes worth of content. Um, People like me, we've probably heard a lot of the stories before. And of course, they're in sort of in a in a new fresh way to look at it. But there's got to be something in there that you personally are excited um, for people to sort of uncover and find.
0: What I tried to do was As a Trekkie, I tried to be like a Trekkie making a doc for Trekkies. Like, we tried so hard to find new stories. Like, there are interviews. It's so interesting. There are clips from interviews that you've seen a billion times. Like a a 40-second clip. That 40-second clip, and this is just one example, but like that 40-second clip, that could be from a 45-minute interview. And no one has shown footage other than that's 40 seconds over and over and over again for 35, 40 years. So we just, again, using that as a microcosm, like we really tried to find a new way into the show. The other thing I've said for decades is Star Trek books are very different than Star Trek docs. And there's a, a much more warts and all, honesty in the books that have historically been in the documentaries about the show so we really like lucille ball is a great example like she like if gene ronberry is the father of star trek it is impossible that she's not the mother of star trek but that got completely negated uh it's always in the books the books put so much time into her the docs usually don't so stuff like that like you know we had the luxury of interviewing Kirstie Alley the day after, you know, uh, you know, s- someone who just worked on the Orville. Like it, we, we got to do this in a in a scope that I don't think has been possible before, because most Star Trek docs are made one at a time. We were able to make 10 simultaneously. And I think that's hopefully what one of the things we're bringing to the table.
1: And I'm curious, actually, just for my own uh, curiosity, when did you film this? Because this is it feels like it's coming out. Was this all going on while the pandemic was on or is this the footage from before or what what what's the deal there?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, we were greenlit after the pandemic started and uh, we're we're still working on it right now. So it's this is a soup to nuts been pandemic fed.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It's a really, that's a really great accomplishment from having, from having seen what you guys have done so far. That's, um, it's
0: been interesting. We just had a, the newest season of movies that made us come out that was shot entirely during the pandemic. Yeah. So I, it's the, the technology that exists now is bonkers.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, um, while well, I was sort of uh, reading up on the Nestle Company and on your history, um, you, you said that you don't wait for culture to catch up and you try to stay a few steps ahead. So, what's next for um, the, the Nestle Company? Are you going to continue? You said you, you, you're going to continue to do some more with the Star Trek series. Um, what are you looking forward ahead to?
0: I mean, what we're trying to do as a company is basically, I mean, it's a very simple strategy. Do more and more of what's working and less and less of what's not working. So center seat really worked for us. It worked for us creatively, like it satisfied that. It worked for us economically. So our intention is to make more of them for other franchises. So that's that's a big part of it. Eventually, if that all works, we're going to get into scripted. And start doing scripted series, and then if that keeps working, then we're going to start doing big movies like any other studio. That's that's the plan. It's there's that's nothing more fancy than that. that. That that's fantastic.
1: You're, uh, to borrow a phrase, boldly going into we're our
0: future. Right? We're trying.
1: So bonus question, um, you have got the most incredible collection of, uh, is that all Star Trek behind you? That can't possibly be all Star Trek
0: behind you. Well, it's not, but there's a lot of Star Trek also not in this frame. So there's, my collection is over 2,500 pieces. I would conservatively (gasps) estimate over 500 of those are Star Trek. I mean, Eagle Moss alone, all jokes aside... I think is around 200, just Eagle Moss, maybe I 150.
1: Hate to, <laughs> I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite item or a favorite um, piece of I memorabilia do. that you treasure?
0: I do. And it's not just Star Trek because this is a Star Trek podcast. Um, it's it's, it, if, it's the answer to anyone who ever says to me, what's the most important piece? It's my uh, 1979 Ertl um, Constitution class refit model that i hand painted the impulse drive the running lights the deflector dish and it's funny getting to live in california now uh, you get to evacuate your house every now and then because of <laughs> fires <Yep. laughs> and that happened for the first time three years ago mm. and uh I, by the way this thing is worth nothing i mean it might be worth five dollars well, uh, and i can assure you, you there's things in here worth considerably more than five dollars mm when we literally evacuated our entire family and pets in 20 minutes, uh, the only thing I took was that and my little uh, R2-D2 that I played with as a kid. Those were literally the only things I took.
1: That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Thank you. So so that's it from me. Uh, The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek, the docuseries, is premiering this Friday, November 5th uh, on History Channel at 10 p.m. Eastern Time and Pacific Time. Uh, There's 10 episodes. They're each covering a different chapter of Star Trek, and the first four are appearing weekly on the History Channel, and the additional six are going to be on the History Vault. Brian Volkweiss, founder and CEO of the Nacelle Company and the director of The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek. Brian, thank you very much for joining me
0: on the show. Thank you. This was fun. Bye. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.